Hey folks, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Now, how many of you have ever been fishing? I grew up fishing in Newfoundland, and I enjoy the time relaxing, enjoying nature, and of course, catching fish, which doesn't always happen. Uh, I have a friend who lives and breathes to go fishing. He counts the days for the season to open in the spring. He fishes all spring, all summer, all fall. And as soon as the ice can hold his weight, he's out ice fishing. This guy's life revolves around fishing. Well, for those that are just joining us, we're continuing in our series, Investigating Jesus. As we walk through the Gospel of Luke, Jesus would often take everyday events familiar cultural activities, and use them to teach the people. Well, today, Jesus is going to take the example of fishing to show us how we are to live our lives following him. And here's our big idea today. Following Jesus is not simply a belief system. It is a lifestyle. If you have your Bible, grab it out and turn to Luke 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. And just to give you some context here, Jesus has begun his public ministry. He has been traveling. He's been teaching. He's been healing people. And large crowds are beginning to follow him. And as with any good leader, we are going to see Jesus begins to surround himself and train up more leaders. So Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, The people were crowding around him. This is also known as the Sea of Galilee. Kind of the way it worked is the lake is so big that different towns kind of had different names for it. So crowds are all around Jesus. Lots of people. Why are they there? Continue in verse 1. And listening to the word of God. So let's just stop for a second right there. The first point today is extremely important. Number one, God's word is our foundation. The basis, the essence, the center, the authority of all we do at Clearview Church is the preaching of God's word. People don't come to Clearview because of my winsome disposition, that's for sure. But people come because power and authority is in the word of God. The Bible is true. And so the power of the Holy Spirit, it changes lives. That's what our God does. And so people are coming around Jesus because he was preaching the word of God. And when properly taught, the word of God is always about Jesus. I want you to know why we are a Bible teaching, Bible preaching, studying church. is because truth is in the Bible and power is in the truth. And people are drawn to Jesus and their lives are changed by the power of the word of God. We fundamentally believe that. And we base everything on the expectation that God blesses when his word is declared. That's absolutely essential for us. Life comes from hearing the word of God. So the crowds come around Jesus because he is declaring the word of God. We pick it up again in verse two. He saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, what does that mean? It means the day's work is done. They're kind of given up. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, this is Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Why why is Jesus doing this? Well, Jesus didn't have the benefit of a sound system, and he's got this huge crowd pressing around him. And it seems weird that Jesus hijacks Peter's boat, but he already knew Peter. 
The previous chapter, you can look this up. Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law. That's important for us to understand this complete story. Jesus gets into Peter's boat and moves off from shore. Have you ever been out on the water? You're boating or maybe swimming and somebody starts talking on the other side of the lake and you can hear them? See, sound travels over water and Jesus is into the technology of his day and this allows him to magnify his message so it reverberates over the water. Jesus wants his message to go out to as many people as possible so he gets in this boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. How long they've been working? Well, he says all night long. How tired are they? (laughs) They're very tired. What did they catch? And nothing. They're skunked, as we would say. And Jesus says, I got an idea. Hey, let's go fishing. Now, is Jesus a fisherman? No, he's a carpenter. Is Simon a fisherman? Yeah, he is. Maybe generations of fishermen. It was customary to fish uh, at night in the shallows, not midday in the deep water. And so Jesus comes along, a carpenter, and tells Peter, hey, let's go fishing. You can almost hear Peter saying, come on, Jesus. We fished all night. We've cleaned the nets. The guys are tired. We didn't get any fish. I'm a fisherman and you're a carpenter. Now, how many of you would say it's really hard to take advice in your area of expertise? I know what I'm doing. Just leave me alone. See, sometimes God will ask you to trust him in an area of your expertise. And it's hard because you're like, I know what I'm doing, God. So what's Peter going to do here? He responds, his his response is this, because you say so, I will let down the nets. You see, following Jesus means obeying him even when sometimes it doesn't make sense. And sometimes God asks you to do something that doesn't make any sense just to show you that he's God. Verse six, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Jesus is like, I told you we should go fishing. You should have brought bigger nets. He continues, so they signaled to their partners in the other boats. So there's this fleet of boats, this Peter's company. He's got some guys with him. They signaled to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. Now that's a good day of fishing. This is the biggest payday Peter has ever had. He fills up his nets and they're sinking the boats. Well, what does this show you? It shows you that our God can provide Our God does provide, and rather than arguing with him, sometimes we just need to obey him. How is Peter going to respond to this whole situation? Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Here's what I love about Peter. He is a guy who fails all the time, and he always gets up and he's like, Jesus, I'm sorry again. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know, Peter, I love you. Jesus, I'm sorry again. Yeah, Peter, I know. I still love you. Jesus, you know, this time, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I know. We've sort of done this a lot. And what I love about Peter is if you are going to pick a leader and give him some spiritual authority and let him write two books of the Bible, I'm glad that he's a regular guy just like me who's not perfect at all. He's going to boss Jesus around at some point. He's going to deny Jesus later. 
He's going to fail Jesus later. Peter is a guy who falls down, but by the grace of God, he gets back up. He's a guy who blows it, but by the goodness of God, he tries again. And when all is said and done, church history would actually tell us that Peter would give his life for following Jesus. He's not incredibly spiritually mature and trusting at the beginning, but he's teachable. And he repents when he blows it. He owns it. And he keeps coming back to Jesus saying, Jesus, please keep working on me. Let me challenge you. Be that kind of person. Be that person even when you blow it. Go to Jesus. Jesus, I did it again. And I need your help. I know I'm a piece of work. That's what Peter is saying. Hear me. Jesus is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for willing people. He's looking for people who are willing to follow him. You don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus or to follow him. You just need to have a willing heart to allow him to love you and work on you. Verse 9, we continue. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. These guys actually become the core of Jesus' team. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Our second takeaway today is this. It's all about Jesus' mission. Sounds so simple. What was the point of Peter catching all these fish? I mean, Peter already had seen Jesus' healing power. He had healed his mother-in-law. In this moment, Jesus takes this amazing miracle of providing a multitude of fish to show Peter, Peter, just as I work through you to catch all of these fish, I'm going to work through you to catch a multitude of people for me. Jesus looks at Peter and says, you catch fish? What about people? What about people who are lost without me? What about families who are broken? What about the teenagers who are so lonely? What about people? Peter, could you take everything that you've learned in business? Could you take everything you've learned in life? Could you take your entire life and use it to tell people that their sins are forgiven, that their life can be changed, that their destiny can be altered? For those who are followers of Jesus, we enjoy so much of God's grace. And what can happen is we get in a certain point in our faith that we think we've done a good job and we're done. But the truth is every dollar, every day, every gift, every resource, every opportunity is so that someone else would meet Jesus and enjoy the changed life through him. This is my heart. This is the heart of Clearview Church. And for those who are Jesus followers, I want you to be excited about what God's excited about. I want you to be fishers of men and women and boys and girls and young people and old people, helping lost people meet Jesus. Jesus looks at Peter. He's like, Peter, let's change the course of your life. It's not about how many more boats you can get and how many more nets you can buy and how many more fish you can bring in. It's about people. It's about people who need me. Help me get to them. That's the invitation to Peter. That's the invitation to all of us. And I know it seems like a daunting task. I know there's fear, but Jesus looks at Peter and catch what he says in verse 10. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, I will show you how to fish for people. Jesus calls Peter to follow him, to live out his mission. 
but he knows human nature. How will I do this? And I'm kind of nervous. And what will I say? And Jesus looks at Peter and says, don't worry, follow me. And I will show you how this works. I will walk with you. Jesus lives life with these guys for three years. Jesus teaches them and shows them and empowers them to live out his mission. Jesus was intentional with those he lived life with. He was intentional about discipleship. My question for you, how are you living your life for Jesus' mission? How are you being intentional? Because there are a lot of people who need Jesus. Who are you living life with? Catch this again. Christianity is not simply a belief system. It is also a lifestyle. Verse 11, how is Peter going to respond to this? So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and follow him. Last point today. The question is this, what's it going to cost? These guys walked away, not just from the fish, the biggest catch they'd ever had. They walked away from their nets, which were valuable, and the fleet of boats. They walked away from their business. And here's the problem that I see with Western Christianity. And I say Western because in other parts of our world, to become a follower of Jesus, you have to consider the cost. So many people will say, I'll follow Jesus, providing it doesn't cost me anything. And so pastors will rightly teach God's grace and God's love. And God is a giver and salvation is a gift, which is all true. But often we neglect to say that following Jesus is not cheap. It's priceless. Jesus not only saves us, but he is to be our leader. The Bible uses the word Lord in verse 5. We already read Peter refers to Jesus as master. If Jesus was master, that would make Peter the servant, the follower, the one submitting his life. You see, God gives grace not because his love is cheap, but because it's priceless. And living life with Jesus is priceless. See, Peter leaves everything. He doesn't say, okay, Jesus, I'll be there in a few months. See, first I've got to take all these fish and bring them to market and collect all the money. And, and then I've got to sell the nets and pay off the loan that I have on those. And, and then we've got to sell the boats because the boats are worth a lot, Jesus. And once I get all that squared away and I get my money put in the bank and I get my affairs in order, then Jesus, I'm ready to roll. He just says, that's it. I'm following you, Jesus. Now, am I saying everyone should quit their jobs? No. Should some of you? Maybe. If God's telling you to do that. These guys left everything. My question for you, what are you willing to pay to give up to sacrifice so that people will meet Jesus? See, Christianity is not just about accepting Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection in your place for your sins and then just going to heaven when you die. That's all true, but it's also so that you can live passionately for him in this life, making it count, not blowing all of your dollars, not blowing all of our days, but giving your life to Jesus, living life with Jesus for the good of others and getting some good stuff done for Jesus. That's what life's all about. And too many people have believed an incomplete message that says, accept Jesus, get ready to go to heaven. So in the middle, you're just kind of on vacation. You're just sort of hanging out and wondering why I don't have any meaning in life. So we fill our lives with things like social media or toys or hobbies. And, and, and when all around us, people are lost without Jesus. Now, feel free to 
buy a new TV or have some hobbies or buy some new toys. But we need to put first things first. If we are not careful, we teach, give your life to Jesus and then when you die, you go to heaven. And we miss the whole middle. The middle is huge. The middle matters. The middle counts. The middle's now. The middle is you pouring yourself out in ministry, giving yourself for something bigger than you. Living life on Jesus' mission, being intentional about reaching people for Jesus. So, as I wrap up today, you need to understand, God saves people, we're just the messengers. And at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. So I have a few questions for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, are you pouring yourself out in ministry? What are you doing? You say, well, I'm kind of thinking about it. No. What are you doing? I'm just kind of praying about it, Pastor. No. What are you doing? What does living life for Jesus and on his mission mean for you? For Peter, James, and John, it meant everything. They walked away from everything. Lastly, are you coming alongside others? Have you identified those people God has brought into your life, like Jesus did with Peter, James, and John, to invest into them? There's a world of people out there looking for someone to love them, to believe in them, to show them Jesus. Remember, following Jesus is not simply a belief system, it is our lifestyle. And maybe, maybe you're listening and you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to know we're praying for you. We want to serve you. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. Jesus will hear your prayers. Jesus will forgive you your sins. Jesus will change your heart, change your mind, change your life. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, I would encourage you to do that today. You can come to him as you are. You acknowledge your need to be saved. Believe in Jesus as God for the forgiveness of sin and you follow him. Why don't you just join with me as we pray? God, we thank you that you love us. You reach for us. You make us new. God, I thank you that we get to live life with you. For those who follow you, Jesus, I pray the Holy Spirit would motivate us to be a people who live for you and live for those around us. For those who feel they don't know where to start, I pray you would remind them you are with them. Do not be afraid that they would step up to serve where you are calling them. For those who perhaps don't yet know you, God, I pray they would place their faith in you in this moment. They would say yes to following you. Jesus, I thank you that you are faithful when we are not. You are gracious when we stumble. And you call us not only to believe in you, but to live for you. Help us to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. If you have any questions, we'd love to have you reach out to us. Have a great week. Take care.